Good Humans is a proud member of Accidental Information. For more info, visit accidentalinformation.com. Hello, people of Earth. Welcome back to Good Humans. Uh, I'm going to say it again. I'm excited for you guys to hear what we've got in store for you this week. But before we get into it, go to patreon.com slash goodhumans. Check out our Patreon page. Check out all the cool stuff we're doing and sign up, will ya? Um, get a t-shirt, uh, get some other cool stuff. I think it'll be really cool. So go to patreon.com slash goodhumans and check it out. My conversation this week is with Gary Ware. Uh, this was, I had a smile on my face this whole conversation. It was so great. Gary Ware is doing a lot of really interesting work around the idea of play uh, and practicing that your entire life uh, and its benefits, both mentally uh, and physically and professionally. Um, he's doing a lot of really, really cool work. In fact, recently he's been doing some work uh, at a prison nearby um, where he's located. And I would love to have him back on or at least check in with him and, and find out more about that. So stay tuned. We may have an update for you uh, regarding his work there. But in the meantime, please enjoy my conversation with Gary Ware. Hello, people of Earth, and welcome back to Good Humans. This is a podcast about exploring better ways to be human. Uh, my name's Josh, and joining me this week is Gary. So, Gary, you and I got connected on Instagram, um, and I want to say it was through Christopher Swan, but I could be wrong. Is that Does that sound right to you? Do you know Christopher? No, I think it was... Was it CJ? Oh, it must... Yes, it must have been CJ. Yeah, then it's, yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, when his coming out. Yep, it's been a while then. Um, and so I've, I've sort of followed from afar some of the work that you're doing. Um, and I have, I've, I, I think I have a, a fairly good idea about it. Uh, and it's intensely interesting to me. So, so I'm looking forward to talking about it, but, um, if you don't mind, just tell us a little bit about yourself, um, you know, kind of what you're doing in the world and all that good stuff. Just basically anything you think we should know. Gotcha. Okay. So my name is Gary Ware. Uh, I am a founder of a company called Breakthrough Play, and it's my mission to help adults self-actualize using the power of play. And that may that may sound like very woo-woo, but I have this belief that when we were younger, we were perfect. We knew exactly how to regulate. Um, we knew when to stop eating. We, we just knew a lot of things. In fact, we had genius levels of creativity and over the years, through our conditioning, through culture, through society, we started to dampen that. And it's my belief that play is that anecdote that gets us back to, you know, back to baseline where we need to be. Holy shit, this episode's already awesome. I'm so excited. <laughs> Gary, that's so good. I love everything you just said. And I, I'll admit that it, it does, I think, to some people probably sound a little woo-woo, but I think the world could use a little more of that these days, don't you? I, I totally agree. And, you know, it's it's so funny to think that some people are like, play? 
<laughs> that's what that's what kids How do. Dare like, you. Of all things, <laughs> of all things that I could be peddling, like you'll be surprised at the responses that I get from from people when I'm like, hey, look, um, I call myself recent. This is a recent thing. I started calling myself a play worker. Um, in that, interesting. Um, I play for money, so it's it's all mm-hmm. good. I, I'm more than happy to you know to do that. And people are like, sorry, um, that's for kids. That I don't have time for play. And so, it, so it's been it's been really interesting, just talking about this mm-hmm. and talking about the benefits of play and trying to help people, just shift the perspective of how, what they see play. Yeah, I so I have a million questions about this, and I I'm gonna I'm gonna file them away so we make sure we get to them. But can we'll you walk in. us through um, a little bit about like so you you do events? Um, walk us yes. through a little bit of like what that looks like. Um, and then I have questions about people's responses too, but I, I just kind of want to know yes. like what the, like what an event looks like or what, a you know, like the process. Yeah. So I'm actually in the middle, deep in the middle of planning an event for a company their nonprofit here in San Diego. They're called Jewish family services. And they, every year they have a, a thing where they shut down the whole company and everyone goes and it's called the day of learning. And they bring in a speaker, facilitators, and they have an experience. And the whole purpose is just to bring everyone together and just give everyone a you know, chance to just rest and, and just connect. And I worked with them last year and I did, I did a mini, I like to call it like a mini play shop. It was, it was shorter than this one. And it was like just a taste of what the possibility is. And so for this one, there's going to be probably about 230 employees there. Wow. And it is a half day where for this specific event, it's going to be like a round robin where I, I like call it a smorgasbord of play <laughs> or for the people that are in, uh, you know, that are in um, like the sort of wellness fit. I, I like to call it like um, it's like CrossFit except with play. <laughs> oh, interesting. Okay. And every station is a different experience. Okay. And it's it's going to be a lot of fun. They're they're in groups or they're in pods, so they'll some of it's competitive against themselves, against the other groups. Um, some of it's connection, some of it's creativity, and every if you were to just do each of the events just for the sake of doing the events, it's going to be fun. You know, it's a great way to get out of the office. We're here in sunny San Diego. It's up in Encinitas, which is by the water. Amazing, just experience. However. I infuse, I like to say the lesson is like a Trojan horse. So for every thing that they do, there are these questions afterwards where they evaluate what happened and they start to make the connections to their day-to-day work life, you know, how they show up in the world. And this is where the magic happens, to be quite honest. This is where, because you're playing this game and I have this belief, how you do anything is how you do everything. Hmm. So that's, if um, you is that Ramdas? No, 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 no. That's uh, um, no. Uh, it's from Friar. I feel like I heard of there's a Franciscan Friar. Sorry, I interrupted. I got excited because yeah, yeah, yeah. I've no. heard that before. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. And we'll have to find the quote. We'll yeah. have to find the quote. Yeah. But I, that's like I totally believe that. In that, how you show up in one area is, is an indication of how you show up in another mm-hmm. area. So what a great way to get someone's honest reaction of, of how they show up in the world is through a game. And 
through some of these games, like especially some of the competitive ones or some of the creative ones, you know, you'll start to ask yourself, wow, what, how did I show up in this game? Or what did I have to do to be successful in this game? And what are the clues that I'm getting from this game on maybe some things that I need to work on? <laughs> or what did I learn in this game that I can apply to my day-to-day -day work life or my day-to-day -day sort of personal life? And so each of the each of the activities that they do, there's going to be like this question that they ask themselves. And then afterwards, there's going to be a massive debrief where, you know, they start to say, all right, here's some takeaways that I got from this experience that I want to start to apply when I go back to work. Hmm. And that's that is the essence of, of what I do is, yes, I use I use play as a vehicle. But for me, it's deeper than that. It's all about some other purpose man i i wish i wish i could ask multiple questions at once because there's just so much i want <laughs> to know this is so good um so let's let's back up a little bit i i'm i yeah. want to know how you got into this in the first place i like is this something that's just sort of always been in you have you always been connected to a part of all of us that um speaking of cj cassiata the way he puts it in his book is that we get the weird kicked out of us you know, around our teen years, because before that, we don't know that it's not okay to be quote unquote weird. Um, and it seems like you're, you're very connected to this, this part of us that all of us have that we sort of learn to ignore or, you know, put away, uh, until we're maybe alone or something. And I think the world would be a much better place if all of us let that out a little more, but have you, have you always been connected to that? Is this something that you found? Um, or, you know, like how, how does, how does this all start? Yeah. So it was complete accident. Matter of fact, I, this was out of necessity hmm. where I took my, so for me, my discovery of play and the thing, so I've been doing a lot of research and, and learning about like the psychology of play. Hmm. Cause once I found this out, I was like, all right, I need to learn more. It wasn't like, you know, play, you know, that's the thing. And I feel like most amazing things happen by discovery. Yes. And I would agree for me, my discovery was I was at my corporate job. I, and I talk about this in my TEDx talk in that I was doing all the things that I thought I was supposed to do. Went to school, check, got a good job, check, moved up the corporate ladder, check, check, check all these things. And I felt miserable and I, like I was just feeling broken. I was burnt out. And I didn't know why. And it was, I was embarrassed to even admit this because on paper, I had all the things that I thought would make me happy and mm -hmm. I wasn't happy. And I, on a whim, through, well, actually it wasn't on a whim, but it was <laughs> advice from a mentor. I took an improv class. Okay. I wanted to get better at public speaking and I hated Toastmasters. <laughs> it actually made me very anxious. I got it. I got to be honest. I've, I've, um. I've been Toastmaster adjacent a couple times at like corporate events. I don't care for it either. I, I don't yeah. necessarily hate public speaking, but that there's something about that format that makes me uncomfortable. Thank you. Yeah. It's, it's people, they, they either live and die by Toastmasters right. or, or like they, they avoid it like the plague and there maybe some people in the middle and I did it. Like I took it and I understand how it will help you be a better public speaker. There's a great framework mm -hmm. there. It personally didn't work for me. And my mentor said, hey, Gary, how about take an improv class? And I was thinking of like, 
I'm not, I don't consider myself a comedian. Yeah, I'm like this goofy guy, but I wasn't in theater as a kid. I did, I was in band, so I was like, I love performing and, and I did music, but like that just, I didn't think that was for me, but you know, I took it and it changed everything for me because most people, they think of improv, they think of whose line is it anyway, they think of you need to be funny, they think of like SNL, they think about all these things. And I was like, that's not me. And, but it's completely different. The actual training that you get in an improv class is teaching you to be able to think on your feet, Mm -hmm. to be able to collaborate with others, to be a better listener. All these, like these are just the skills that you need to be able to perform on stage with other people without a script and not fall on your face and look like an idiot, (laughs) even though you will do that anyway. And so the other thing is it teaches you how to fail gracefully and be okay with failure. I like that phrase, fail gracefully. (laughs) Yeah, Um, but it was all through play. That That was it. It was just... We played games. Yeah. And you're so that from what I understand, the, the number one rule of improvisation is yes. And, um, Correct. and, uh, I, I think they call it being a generous, uh, uh, scene or scene sharer or whatever, whatever, like, mm-hmm. go, yep. you know, whatever, whoever you're sharing the scene with. Um, so right. you're learning, you're, you're going to this improv class and you are definitely learning how to like be in front of people and perform, but you're also learning this other piece, which is, um, I can, I can not only can I work with what I'm given like in any given moment, but it's good. Like that's a good thing. And that's like, you can be open to it. Right. Yes, exactly. Amazing. And then I immediately saw the correlations between that and my, my, a professional career and so two things happened in that moment of going to an improv class i said i need to take these games and do them with my team and two and at that in that moment i didn't realize what had happened i was just full of joy i just felt like a million bucks you just knew something i just thought happened. it was a fluke i just knew something magical happened i didn't realize that i was suffering from play deprivation amazing and yeah. Yeah, and I found my I found my play again. Like I just got back into it and that was just amazing. And so I got a like hooked on improv. Like I took every improv class that came my way and at first I wasn't necessarily into performing, but after I took all the classes, I was like, "Well, I guess I have to perform. <laughs> that's that's next." <laughs> and and then at the same time in parallel, I was taking these games and I was bringing them to my team. So on Fridays, we would play some of these games that I would play in improv class. And before meetings, we would play some Energizer games. And, and then surprisingly, we started connecting better. Again, I didn't know anything about the psychology of any of this stuff before. It was just something that I just happened to just stumble upon yeah. and thought it was really rad and thought everyone should do this. And everyone, <laughs> like, every, but most people, when you say, oh, you should take an improv class, like, they just like, uh-uh. Because they have this perception that they're going to be put in front of everyone mm-hmm. and told to be funny. And like CJ says, you know, that is being weird and it, you're going to be judged for that. And so yeah. you, what person in their right mind would want to subject themselves to that? Yeah. We have this idea that we have to be good at everything right away. Oh. And we're going to get judged if we're not. Exactly. And that's so sad. Yes. So and so that yeah that's that's it that is the essence of everything 
and yeah, we need to we need to change that. So this was this was kind of a thing where you you went to this class, you were going to these classes, and you just knew something was going on that was amazing, and then you felt like I have to show this to other people, I have to help other people experience this, mm-hmm. but you still didn't exactly. know exactly what it was that you were even sharing at that point. I had no idea. So I was just like known as the improv guy. So my, my training and, you know, schoolings and marketing and, and design. And so I was in the sort of agency world and I was at the, in these marketing associations and I was just known as the improv guy. Hmm. People would come see me perform and they knew that I did improv stuff and I was asked to do like, Hey, can you do like a workshop? And so then I started bridging the gap between that and innovation and that and creativity just because I'm like, oh, this is an easy way to brainstorm. If you understand the whole concept of yes and and listening and stuff like that, then brainstorming is easy. And again, I didn't realize that there's a whole world of people doing this stuff. I just was like, I, it was just something that I love to do and I immediately fell in love with it. It was a passion of mine and I was just sharing it with anyone who would listen, anyone who would participate, I would share it with them. And again, you know what they say, if you've like you know you're onto something if it's something that you would do and not even care if you got paid for yes yeah and that was that was it for me and so like i and then um because i was all about personal development so there was like a tie with that and i started you know really working on myself and mindset and all these other things and so i was just like well like i created the site as a resource for myself you know breakthrough play was something where i would share some stuff about um, about all the stuff that I learned that had to do with personal development and as I was learning about the, the benefits of play, I was just throwing it on there and I was performing. At this, at this point, I had been doing improv as a performer. Uh, at a, the theater I, where I trained at, I ended up being you know, picked to be on the house team and then I started teaching improv classes. So that's like the natural progression. But again, this was just all a hobby for me. Interesting. And so at this point, you're still, you know, that it's doing something in you and you're, you're starting to realize that you also want to share it. Um, Mm -hmm. and then obviously at some point you decide, I, I just need to do this. This is where the juice is. Um, and so what I'm, what I'm interested in is where, cause we've heard, I, I, I've heard a similar story so many times from, from other people that are doing other amazing things. It's, it's this thing of like, there always seems to be something in us. That's like, this doesn't feel like it. Everybody's telling me this is it, but doesn't feel like it. Um, but we're, we're ashamed to admit it because like, you know, any, any, you know, a ton of other people would kill to, to, you know, kind of rack up the successes, quote unquote, that we've had. So I understand that. And I like, I felt that at times in my life, I've, I've heard this story from other people and yet we keep doing it. We keep taking this path. What do you, what do you feel? Do you have any thoughts about like, why, like, why do we keep what's going on? Why do you think we have to go the, the route of like sort of the, we're killing ourselves to get something we don't even necessarily want before we jump to what we're supposed to be doing. Yeah, it's, in my opinion, I feel like if, if we were to rewind time, you know, thousands of years before we were able to survive without potentially being attacked by saber-toothed tigers and things <laughs> like that, 
it was all about being part of the tribe. Mm-hmm. And your one of your biggest fears is that if you do something that the tribe does not, you know, agree with, you will be kicked out of the tribe on your own, abandoned, no one loves you, and you would probably die. Yeah. Because you can't survive without the tribe. And the whole thing about like, you know, here in here in the States, you know, we call it the American dream, but I feel like it's a universal thing of hey, we go on this path, this journey, and we hit certain milestones, and then, you know, that's that's part of what the tribe says you need to do. And it in my opinion, maybe if you were to ask me, you know, ask someone this maybe 20 years ago, it still was viable. Yeah. Where you went to a good school, you got a decent job, you stayed in that job for a decent amount of time, you know, you had, and this is where I feel like the big challenges. Back then, we weren't tied to these computers yeah. that that are connects us to the world 24-7. Yeah. It was like the Flintstones in that, and I might be dating myself by mentioning the Flintstones. Hopefully people still know what the Flintstones are. I'm still are. with you, yep. <laughs> but at the end of the workday, you know, workday was over, like, was it five o'clock, six o'clock? Yep. You clocked out and you left. And I remember a speaker, his name is John Acuff. He said, and I still use this time and time again. Love him. He said, back then, the only people that were accessible 24 hours a day were doctors and drug dealers. Yeah, yes, that's very true. Everyone else, you disconnected. You went home. And so a few things happened. People played. People had leisure. People had hobbies. People had things that they did. And they had stable jobs. They, they had 401k. They had pensions. They had all these things. And, and it may not have been you know, the most glamorous work, but at least they had other things that they could focus their time on. They they didn't have they didn't have work right at their fingertips at all times. So you have to fill your time with something else. So exactly. yeah yeah I you're entirely right. So you you feel like it's it's kind of an evolutionary thing where like we have this built into our psychology because of our evolutionary path. We've got this idea that like we're better in we're better in tribes and everybody has yes. to we there's this path we're kind of like water like we're just taking the path right. of least resistance there's this path that so many other people have taken already so we know we know what's there we know what's down that path that's a that is a forged very well paved way to go and so that's how this works yeah unfortunately that framework is broken <laughs> however however However, because it's been done time and time again, you're absolutely right. It's the path of least resistance. It's easier to just be unfulfilled mm-hmm. than it is to, I like to call it social risk. Yeah. Because don't get me wrong, like this is this path is, that I'm on is not an easy path. I am like met time and time again with people like, are you okay? <laughs> are you okay? And it's so, isn't it so interesting that in this moment where I feel like I am doing like my quote unquote life's work, I'm getting the questions of people like, are you okay, Gary? But when I was like, in my opinion, a zombie or part of the empire, uh, <laughs> that was acceptable. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, yeah, this, this all reminds me. I had a boss one time sit me down. This was not that long ago. I'm 33. Um, and it was just a couple of years ago. 
Uh, but I was I was in one of those jobs at a market marketing agency also. Um, and we kind of sat down. He was my VP at the time. We sat down and we were kind of talking about like my future at the company and like where I wanted things to go. And if I had been honest with him, I would have told him I don't want things to go anywhere. I don't even want to be here. But that you can't say that to your VP in a meeting. So, you know, obviously I, I told him like, well, I, you know, I'd like to move up. Like I, I want to like take on more responsibility. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I want to do whatever I'm supposed to do here. And he told, but I, I expressed frustration that I felt like I was like behind a little bit. Or I wasn't like, you know, I wasn't getting there like I'd like to. And he, he was trying to be helpful. He genuinely was, but he, I remember he like, he talked to me. He was, a, he was a little bit older than me. He's like 50. I'm only, I'm 33. So it's, it's not that far down the road, but he was like, yeah, this is the time when he was like, you know, men from like 35 to 45 is like, that's their prime. Like you're going to do your best work from 35 to 45. And so like, you know, if, if you're going to like pop at a company, like this is the time to do it. And like, you know, just keep your nose to the grindstone. I'm positive will happen. You're a smart guy. And he was trying to be helpful. And I remember sitting there in that meeting, hearing him say 35 to 45 is your prime and thinking, I don't want to waste my prime doing this like I you spend the majority of your life working and I don't want to waste my best years quote unquote if that's true doing something I don't even like um but you're right if we if we decide okay then I'm actually going to be happy and I'll take risk but I'll be happy taking risk then other people who you know like it's it's everybody's walking one way and then one person kind of like verges off and like what's over here everybody's like oh whoa that's not normal. That's not safe. What are you like? What are you doing? Come back with all the safe people. Right. And so you're, you're getting these kinds of questions from people saying, Hey buddy, don't you want to like, don't you want to come back? I mean, what, what you doing out there? And I, I understand it is risky, but you're, I, I, I would agree with you. You saying like, you'd rather take a risk and feel fulfilled. Like you're doing something that matters than be unfulfilled, Mm -hmm. but that's easier. Yeah. And I remember, so the thing that for me, I, I am so thankful. Like, so the internet is a love hate relationship Mm. where the, the love or the hate part is that it can be like a black hole of, of suckiness. Yeah. Uh, The love part is you have access to, I like to call them my digital mentors where like, Again, 20 plus years ago, like that was not a thing. Yeah. You know, to, to reach out to someone that you don't even know that you admire, like to even, how would you even know that you admire them? You know, if they didn't have a book. Right. You know, back then. Yeah. You would, you would have had to check their book out of the library or something to even know about them in the first place. And now we have access to amazing people. Exactly. And, and you can learn from them and, and sometimes you can reach out to them. And I remember reaching out to certain people and, and someone in particular, um, his name is Peter Shankman. Matter of fact, I remember seeing him in at a conference. Uh, this gentleman, he is an entrepreneur. He was the person that founded Help a Reporter Out, Haro. Okay. Um, you know, the Fed Haro, like he sold that and he, he speaks on stages. An amazing guy. And I remember seeing him at a conference and he was, it was almost like he was reading my mind. Like, you know, I was, he was saying exactly what I was feeling and I was like captivated. And he, he had said, and I remember this like it was yesterday, he said, 
what's the worst that can happen? I have to go get a day job again? And I was like, right, mm. Ex- exactly. And so that was like something, and I wrote to him and, I, and he was fortunate enough to write back and you know, it's one of those things where every now and then I'll shoot him a little message and he'll you know, shoot a response back. And it's, again, it's a reminder that there are people out there that, uh, that are doing these things. And, and it reminds me of, I forget his first name, but his last name is Bannister. And he was the first person that broke the four-minute mile. Okay. And prior to that, that was unheard of. Yeah. To, to run a mile in four minutes, under four minutes, it just didn't happen. But after he did that, people started breaking the four-minute mile left and right. So it, it was. it's like we need someone to go against the grain, not just to go against the grain. And, it's, and I don't want to really say go against the grain, but just really question what are we doing because again i've been studying like some neuroscience and the way that our brain works is our brain's job is to keep us alive Mm. and once we learn something the brain wants to essentially put it on autopilot so it can reserve energy for something else so if we had done something and it worked before we're not going to question it and even if it's if it's hurting us (laughs) we're just not going to question it so, like, sometimes we need someone to, like, wake us up to get us to question it. And I feel like that's when someone is doing something opposite than what you're doing and they have a challenge with it and they come at you. I feel like it's more of a reflection of them because it's getting them to challenge their own beliefs. Yeah. So you then, so you're you're doing, um, I still have a million questions about, like, everything later, but you're, you're, uh you're doing these classes and you're, you're teaching improv at this point. You're doing, you're doing games with your team, which by the way, can you give us an example of like a game, like an improv game that you play with your team? Yeah. So I can give you a million examples, but one that's very easy that anyone can do. And since we've been talking about like agency world, I bet you a number of people who, who are listening are creative or in the creative sort of space. This is a really great exercise that is designed and designed to prime your brain to think of, alternate solutions and this game is very simple and it's a great warm-up thing because you're starting to move so you're getting dopamine and then you're going to start to think of things differently so it's a few phases phase number one you rock walk around the space and it's important that you walk around if you can't walk around you can just sit and look and point but it's even better if you can walk you walk around and you start pointing at things in your environment all right that's a chair that's a whiteboard that's a tv that's a light you do it for maybe 35 40 seconds and then after you're done all right cool check it out Then you go back, round two is, you start pointing at things and you say what it's not. That is not a tiger. That is not a door. That is not uh, Prince Elizabeth. That is like, whatever it is, you just start walking around and saying what it's not. And if you want to get even more clever, you say, you do that same thing and then you point to first thing and you say what it's not. And then the next thing, you say what the previous thing was. So like, for example, I'm pointing at a chair and I say, all right, that's not a door. And then I point to a whiteboard and I say, that's not a chair. Then I point to the screen over there, that's not a whiteboard. And it's just something that is, your brain's a muscle. Mm-hmm. So it's just warming up your brain and it's getting you into state. Like I like to say, we, we need to be in certain states to do things. And if you wanna be creative, you need to be in the state of creativity. And that game is designed to prime your brain to think of things in a different way. I love that. That's that. It seems simple, but um, it 
I mean, just listening to you describe it, it sounds like hard work. That's not that's not an it's easy not, thing to do necessarily. It's a simple game. Like the rules are simple. Yeah. Oh, and so if so, this is the, just a fun thing just to do. I do it all the time. But if I'm doing it in a team building scenario, I will ask questions like, "What sort of limitations did you put on yourself?" Hmm. I'll ask that question, and and I've had answers like, "Oh, well, I couldn't repeat something that someone else said. I couldn't. I had. I like was doing things in categories. So now again, like what we said earlier, how you do anything, so you do everything. And then I'll say." Who told you you couldn't do that? Yeah. And then it's like, no one. It's like, all right. And in improv, we have this saying, if this is true, then what else is true? So if you're already putting limitations on yourself in a simple game like this, where else are you putting limitations on yourself? Oh, such a good point. Gary, I need to come to one of your events, it sounds like. Um, it sounds like a blast. Uh, okay, so we're, you're, you're teaching improv. You're playing these games at, at work. Um, and you know building your team and doing things like that and then eventually you you come to a point where you you want to try to do this full time like where did where did the idea come from to like bridge this into like maybe i can maybe i maybe there's something here to like actually share this with more people the story's tragic um what happened so again sometimes i feel like the universe or god or whatever like you believe wants you to do something bigger than yourself and you keep saying nope 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 and then mm. sometimes you have to be shaken up and sometimes it's not pretty for you to realize like oh i guess this is what i'm supposed to do so i went on to start my own agency because i you know i was doing this i was like great and i like had this belief i'm like companies need to be companies need to be run differently and then there was an opportunity where some people that I knew from a marketing association, you know, they, they had started their own agency and they were talking about how they were doing things differently and I was so proud of them for doing that. And, and they were talking about how they were ready to bring on their third person. And I was, again, I was sort of blinded, like I was in my little bubble and I was at an agency that I really liked and I was growing a team and I was doing this improv stuff. And I essentially was describing myself of who their third person was, didn't realize I was doing that. And then they were like, they they thought they like oh yeah Gary duh and so anyways then they long story short I ended up joining the their agency I was a co-founder employee number three um, and I was like great now I can put this stuff to work mm -hmm. because I am a co-founder my job is strategy it's you know team growth I can start putting these play things into growth and not have to ask or or do it you know under the covers and then ask for forgiveness. Right. And so I thought, again, I guess that's the next progression. I got to start my own agency. Again, yeah. still blinded. So there's still and like some of that hanging on. Like yeah, you're yeah. getting shaken up a little bit, but there's still a little <laughs> bit of that like lingering. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that was fine for three and a half years. And I should have seen the writing in the wall that that was not uh, a supportive environment uh, because like a lot of businesses – in the beginning, it's like the honeymoon phase, and then you're hit mm -hmm. with some challenges, and that's what really defines you, you know, who you really are. <clears throat> and we were, you know, hit with some challenges as a business, and and again, I should have saw like, all right, this might not be a good thing, but again, we have like our, you know, survival mechanism. I'm like, all right, this is my livelihood. You know, I at this point, um, I am about to be a dad, and I'm like, well. 
you know, just going to weather through it. Like, it'll be fine. And it all came to a head. Uh, I, it was last year, actually. Last year, um, I was at a retreat. So I was leading a retreat. Like I said, I was doing this stuff on the side, mostly for free. So I was getting a lot of joy out of doing this. Mm-hmm. And people were paying me to do some workshops at this point. But again, I didn't see this as something that I wanted to do full time. It was all in service of like my team. And yeah. I came back from this seven day, re- seven day retreat in Nicaragua. And it was almost like if this was a movie, that would have been like the foreshadowing, like Gary, something's about to shake up. Matter of fact, <laughs> I had just gotten a tattoo. So on this arm, I have a tattoo that is chaos. That is, is one of those kanji symbols that means chaos. And I got it when I was in college. I was in a very okay. chaotic state. And then I was like, oh, you know what? I'm finally in a place of calm. So on this arm, I have a kanji symbol that means harmony. Because I was like, you can't have harmony without chaos. They go hand in hand together. Right. And like, I feel like that's like my life. Like there's, there's chaos and then harmony, then chaos and the harmony. Like that's just like how growth happens. Mm-hmm. So I come back thinking like, all right, everything's cool. And it was that Monday, I'm doing a check-in with my business partner. At this point now, there's just two of us, two business partners. And he basically said, I think we should go our separate ways. Hmm. And I was like, uh, what? And he, like, he gives me a buyout check. And at that point, when I tell people this, they say, well, why didn't you do something about it? Like, why didn't you like sort of, you know, challenge him or anything like that? And I was like, that's like being married to someone and they say, you know, I don't love you anymore. Yeah. I think we should go a separate way. And then you're like, no, 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 we can work this out. I'm like, I was like shocked. Yeah. I was like, uh, okay. Um, and then two hours after that, I'm on my way home. I'm like shocked. Um, my, uh, I get a call from my landlord. So me and my wife and my son's at this point is one, you know, he has, he just had his first birthday. He's one. Um, you know, like I said, everything was just, Peachy. Yeah. And yes, the business, like on the digital market side, like it's agency stuff. So, and we're a small agency. So like it has its ups and downs, but for the most part, I was like, we're cool. Yeah. But that just rocked everything. Our landlord calls and said he has to sell our house. Wow. So now we have to move. Wow. So within two hours, I didn't have a job and now we're about to be homeless, so to speak. Like, yeah. and at that point, my wife is not working because she's staying home with, with our son. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what do I do? And, and then I'm like thinking about like what I heard, um, you know, like, all right, if it doesn't work out, you can get a day, like just get another day job. You know what Peter Shankman said. And then my wife is the, surprisingly, she's the calm one. She's like, well, why don't you just, you've been doing a lot with this breakthrough play stuff. Why don't you just see about doing this full time? Like, I'm pretty sure because you have, you know, a really good reputation, you know, with, the agencies that you worked with, your clients and stuff like that, I'm pretty sure you can get some work from it. And so I'm like, okay. And so, and, and so what we ended up doing, we sold most of our stuff and we moved in with my parents. My parents were graciously enough to like, you know, you know, bring us in. Honestly, I think they just wanted to spend more time with their grandson, <laughs> uh, which is fine. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> um, which is, and then from there, then I was like, all right, how am I going to make this work? And so like I sent out some messages letting people know, hey, look, Breakthrough Play is, is a real thing. I, I'm looking to do trainings and, you know, boom, boom, boom. So that was the catalyst. And it was funny because at that point I had been doing it for four years. I had like off and on, like just four years, but I, 
I just didn't admit to myself that was my next path. Because it, again, we talked about it, that social risk, it's scary. So the, part of myself was like, no, you can't do that. You, mm-hmm. you know, it's not, it's not safe for you to do that. Yeah. And I feel like that's not even, that's not even you talking really. That's everyone. Right? You're channeling everyone else. <laughs> everyone else. Yeah. Um, cause you, so, yeah. So that was the start. Yeah. You truly wanted to do this probably for a Pro- while. Yeah. If, if um, I was honest with myself, it was probably something that I, because like I said, I was willing to do it for free. I, I was doing yeah. at this point, like often on, I was doing like meetups, um, you know, play meetups. I call it recess. And, you know, we would do, I was actually, you know, earlier today I was talking to someone about some of the different meetups. We did some experiential painting meetups, mm. uh, where we did some like really cool painting stuff. We did some, some stuff outdoor, like all kinds of stuff. And, and at this point, like it was just, I just needed to trust myself to take that step. People of Earth, this episode of Good Humans is brought to you by Accidental Information. Accidental Information is an amazing, inspirational organization that is actually run by Christopher Swan, who was a guest in last season of this show. What he's doing with this organization is helping each and every one of us celebrate what makes us different and then use that to improve our personal lives and our careers. I love this organization so much, and it's not just because we just joined their podcast network. It's because each and every article and show that they have contains directly applicable and practical advice that will improve your personal life or your career. I love the articles that they post, such as how binge watching helps you live a better life, five amazing people who have used adversity to spark creativity, five ways to learn from every podcast you hear, how to tap into your creativity, and so many more. If you're interested, you should check out accidentalinformation.com and tell them good humans sent you. You you mentioned earlier, so like you're doing these events and you mentioned earlier that there's resistance sometimes when, when you're telling people about this stuff. What, um, I'm interested, like, because because people are serious adults, right? We're we're very serious yeah. and we're we're old now and we don't do childish yeah. things. Yeah. What's the what are some of the like the the uh, objections that you get and like where do you feel like some of that comes fr- comes from? Is it is it just the social risk thing or what's going on? Yeah, so it's it's uh, the the main excuses that I get is well, sorry, you know, we don't have time for that right now. We have a lot going on. Or uh, that's for kids, plays for kids. And, and like the improv thing is like, oh, that's not just something I, I don't do improv and stuff like that. And so I feel like it comes from, if you think about it, so I'll, I'll break down a few things at a time. So the whole improv thing, and you can throw public speaking in there too, is that it's, it's one of the, like it is the second fear to death. Yeah. And it makes sense. It's ingrained in our DNA. Because if you go back centuries ago, they would put you on the stocks in front of the town square. If you did something bad and you had to plead your case. And if you did it right and people agree, then you lived. If not, you died. You know, so that's where I feel like it's in our thing of like, I don't want to be put on the spot. Yeah. Because what if people kill me? Yeah. And, and that's like a metaphor, like, you know, you know, shame or whatever it is. So that's where that comes from. But the whole thing about play is... Yes, play is what kids do. And I feel like at some point, people, it was like very binary. It's like, all right, you either 
were working or you were playing and and the people who were playing were probably goofing off they should be working yeah you know we have the the protestant work ethic and stuff like that yeah where you know again it served a purpose but i feel like it's outdated um and you mind if i tell a story that like proves this point i would love it you mind if i heard this story so it's the story of the canned ham have you heard of the canned ham story i i don't know if i have all right so uh for you listening, you might have heard this too, but you're, you're going to get the point. So there was his mom and a daughter, and it was Thanksgiving time, and the mom was, was preparing a canned ham. And if you're not familiar with the canned ham is, it's like a giant cam of spam. It's like, you know, they had a ham that's in this tin that you have to have a key and, and crank it out and take it out. And so the mom, you know, what she was, how she was preparing it, she would put it on the cutting board and she was cut off a piece of it and she would set that aside, wrap it in uh, saran wrap, put it in the fridge. She put the rest in this casserole dish and put it in the oven. And the daughter, she was curious. She's like, mom, I- I've seen you do this every year. I- I'm curious, why do, you- why do you do that? Why do you cut off the top and stuff like that? She's like, I don't know. You know, grandma has always done that and that's how she's taught me. She- when she's over today, let's ask her. Cause you know what, I never, I never thought about it. And so grandma comes over and the mom and the daughter ask grandma and grandma's like, oh my gosh, I you know, didn't realize that I imparted that on you because when you were younger, she was talking to the mom, uh, we didn't have a lot of money and you know, ovens were smaller. So I didn't have enough money to get a bigger dish. So I had two options. I can use money that we didn't have and get a bigger dish or I can cut off the tip so it can fit the dish and we have two meals. And she's like, oh wow. And so. <laughs> Like the moral of that story is sometimes we do things just because we're told to and we don't know why we do them mm. and we just follow it blindly. Like I said, you know, that's fine in some cases, but after a while we should question things. And so like the whole thing about play is that, it, yeah, it may have been seen as things that kids do, but there's a lot of research that shows that play is a necessity, like especially as mammals. We play, you know, we're the type that will play into old age. There are, you can look it up on YouTube. There was this YouTube video of this polar bear and the polar bear looks like it's starving and it is walking through the tundra or wherever it is. And you see this dog and this dog goes into what is called a play bow. It's like a signal like, hey, let's play. And this bear that is starving in any other circumstance would probably eat the dog because it, you know, it's starving. But yet it engages in this graceful play hmm. because it knows like, hey, this is also a necessity yeah. for survival. But us adults, we forget about it. You know, as our friend CJ says, yeah, we got the weird kicked out of us. And, you know, play is a weird thing because when you play. So this is a thing that most people, uh, this is why they don't like to play. When you play, you get vulnerable. Yeah. Like an animal in the wild, when they're playing, they're completely present in the moment in, in play. They, you know, if they're not careful, they could be killed. Yeah. But yet they still do it anyway. Yeah. We, um, and, and play, um, I would think as, as a child, play is, is sort of how you're also learning about the world. You're, and you're meeting other people. And so you're learning like social skills and you're, you're learning sort of, uh, just kind of how things work and you're, you're learning mm-hmm. your own limits and you're learning mm-hmm. where there are not limits, all kinds of things. Right. Mm-hmm. Like it, that's, that's a sort simulation. of what's going on. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's simu- and it doesn't change as an adult. It's all simulation. So, but, but we get, 
your point about being vulnerable I th- is so interesting to me because we we get to a point where we're like, okay, uh, there are things to worry about now as an adult. I have bills yes. to pay. I have a living to make. I have a family to provide for. Whatever the case may be, I have a reputation to uphold. Whatever it is, and so we we get disconnected from play because we we think to your point about companies telling you we don't have time for that uh we think well it's it's do or die right now so i gotta put that away for a second and focus on this and then we just never feel like we have the bandwidth to let up is that yep that's your spot on yeah yeah and and because we're so focused again survival and it's interesting because they talk about Maslow hierarchy of needs and even in that plays at the top. And so this is really? something that is worth yeah, because play is like, you know, you, you have like shelter and all these other things and yeah. play is up there. But this is one thing that is why it's, it's um, sort of like a double edged sword um, or a paradox, you say. When we are stressed, we can't play like our, our, because our brain is in survival mechanism. Mm-hmm. However, play help us to de-stress. Yeah. So it's a vicious circle. It is. And so we need intervention. And we need, it needs to be, it needs to be something that we set up so it becomes routine. Like, for example, you probably remember in school when we have the fire drills Mm -hmm. or I grew up in the West Coast, so the earthquake drills and stuff like that. We did it so that when emergency strikes, we're ready. Right. Um, and I, I know, like, it's just like, like, all right, the bell rings. I know exactly duck and cover, like, all these things. Yeah. We don't, we haven't put up a play, play into our routine yeah. so that when stress happens, we know that play is the anecdote. Because, again, going back to what we talked about at the top of the show, we didn't have to think about that because our lives were simpler where it was something that we didn't have to think about because we we're wired to play. Mm-hmm. And you, you said something so profound in that we had space for play because we got off from work. Yeah. There was plenty of time and play was in there. So that this this is exactly one of the things that I wanted to ask you about is is how like what kind of frameworks are you helping people establish that help them return to this? Because this is um, this is incredibly important. And so you're helping people connect with this. I think it would be very easy for people to connect with this once and go, that was an awesome experience and then sort of move on. So what kind of framework are you helping people put in place to, to mm-hmm. be mindful and return to this and make this an ongoing practice instead of just a, a one time, like, Hey, remember that one time when we played at work type of thing? Yeah. Yeah. And it's so interesting that you bring this up because I was actually just talking uh, about this to a colleague of mine uh, two hours ago in that our brains are muscles. And if you think about like our physical health, we, we wouldn't just go, well, some people do it, but like most people wouldn't just like, all right, you know what? I went to the gym once. I am set. Done. We're the six pack. We know that it's a process. It's an ongoing thing, but we can't see our brains. We, we can't like, unless we have like things to cut open our head. So we don't realize the atrophy that is happening. 
So there's two things. One is to bring back that playful self that allows us to feel joy and, and reduce burnout. That's one thing. And uh, I'll talk about like a process of doing that in just a moment. I mentioned it in my TEDx talk. But then there's another thing of using play as a training tool. Because as I said earlier, when you do play, play is simulation. So if you can play, you're simulating what's happening in a low stakes environment so that when it needs to happen, like having a tough conversation, you've already done it. Mm. So it will come second nature to you. And we, right now, like, because training is associated with school and school used to be done one way. So anytime as a company we need to train on something, we think, well, how do we do that? Well, we get someone who knows about it, who's smart in this topic, and they will lecture at you and you will take notes and you will take a test. They'll bring up PowerPoint. <laughs> yes, right? Yeah. You would do all these things and then you do it just to say that you did it and then you expect people to get it. Yeah. And when it comes down to it, now you can be an effective leader or you can be an effective employee. No, that doesn't work that way. Yeah. So, so I'll talk about like play to bring back the, the sense of joy in people's lives because I feel like that's important. And I talked about in my PowerPoint or PowerPoint, in my TEDx <laughs> See, talk. See, I, I threw you off already. <laughs> right? It's all good. In my TEDx talk, I, I talked about it was something that um, I've had to put into practice multiple times of, of reaching burnout. Um, and the first thing is rest. And this is something that rest is a necessity too. Um, and as a dad to a two-year-old, I get it now. <laughs> I, I, I need rest. I believe you, um, yeah. And most people, you, you need rest too. And if you, um, if you don't get enough rest, your brain will operate as if it's the end of the world. Because again, your brain's job is to keep you alive. If you do not give your brains enough time, like, to rest like you know sleep and stuff like that mm -hmm. your brain is going to be in this mode where you cannot help but to see all the negative because that's there's science that shows that when they sleep deprive people and then they had so before they sleep deprive them they had them memorize or review a list of words uh they were emotions so um ha uh, part of the words were positive emotions the other were negative emotions and then they sleep deprived them, and then afterwards they asked them um, which words they remembered. And in those studies, most people only remembered the negative words. They didn't remember the positive words. And it's because your brain is looking for threats because it feels like there's a threat to the system when you don't get enough sleep. So you can't help but to be negative because your brain is only looking for negative stuff. Yeah, crisis mode. Um, yeah, it's in crisis mode. And then you know, there's a lot of studies that show that when you're sleep deprived, it's as if you're drunk. You operate in similar fashion as if you were drunk. So you're not crisp. And again, you can't see the world as a playground if you're in crisis mode. So rest is crucial. Uh, the next thing that I found is that you need to start looking for wonder. Hmm. Like, um, you know, how can you start looking and, and bringing back creativity? That's the thing for me. And so I, that I talked about for me, and this is like, this is where the bringing back play comes in of, I ask people, what was something that you used to engage in when you were younger that brought you joy? Um, because for me, you know, there's so many different things. Um, and for me, it was playing music. Um, you know, and performing. I used to do talent shows and I used to goof off. And, and so I incorporate part of that. And another thing was magic. Magic was something that I did. Incredible. It wasn't, 
it wasn't to like I didn't want to be like a Chris Angel or anything like that. I just loved magic. And so, but as I got older, there wasn't time for magic. Yeah. You know, I had to be an adult. And so I uh, would like spend like maybe five minutes. And this brings me back to my next thing as far as bringing back this, your play drive is you need to schedule play. Because if you're not accustomed to playing, it's not going to be something that you're going to easily do. And I tell people, put on your calendar five minutes a day. That is just your time to play, to goof off, to yeah. do something that has no purpose, but you'll find out it has all the purpose in the world. Yeah, that that's a big one. I think the scheduling we I mean, all of it is huge. Rest gets a really bad rap. People mm-hmm. like for some reason, if we're not like running on four hours of sleep we're lazy we think um badge of honor right yeah yeah we think it's like yeah if if we're anxious and like edgy like then we're like being productive or whatever but scheduling is is like being intentional about it is that's huge um because it's it's sound it's a strange juxtaposition of like scheduling play like those two things don't usually go together but I love the idea of like a firm, you know, five, 10 minutes on the calendar every single day. We're like, sorry, no, I can't take a meeting at this time. I have that set aside for something else. Like it's, yep. that's incredibly, I, I love that's profound, I think. And so important. I'm so happy that you said that. Yeah. And it's five minutes. So this is one of the things it's almost like a hack for your for your brain is like you know what i can do i can do five minutes yeah yeah anybody could do five minutes of anything really yeah yeah exactly and so that's that's the main thing where your brain's like all right you know because if you think about it if you're honest with yourself you probably if you look at your day you probably have spent more time doing mindless things that you know are worse yeah yeah we spend more than five minutes a day scrolling through social media a hundred percent we spend more than five minutes a day at work rereading an email five or six times like we we have time if we're honest with ourselves yes yeah if you're honest with yourself you have time yeah and one thing that i failed to failed to mention that and this is important and hopefully by you know listening to this and, and hearing the stories you're starting to get like plays necessity but mindset is crucial there's a gal, her name is Jane McGonigal. She wrote this amazing book called Super Betters on play and how play can, you know, heal people and, and, you know, and increase your superpowers. Amazing book. But she said that there's enough studies, there's an equal amount of studies that talks about why play is detrimental to society and to your lives as there is about the benefits of play. And the one thing that is the common factor between, or the the thing that was different between both of those studies is the people that played that got the benefits of play, their intention was to use play as a power-up, as something to help them, not an escape. If you're playing to escape, you will always play to escape, which means that if you have something big that's going on and you don't want to do it, Mm. and this is where people see play as um, frivolous and, and instruction, and it can be, because if you see the world as that way, then you it will be a habit where every time something important happens, instead of dealing with it, you play and it becomes like a like an escape and so that you don't have to deal with it. And then, you know, then before you know it, like 
you've procrastinated and, and everything's on fire, that is a bad thing. However, if you say, you know what, I know I need to deal with this, but right now I don't have the mental capacity to do it. So I'm going to spend five minutes recharging my battery so that I'm in a better headspace to deal with this email or to, to take this call. Yeah. Well, then you're going to use play in the right context. Yeah. Uh, I told when I talked to CJ, I told him that I feel like part of what he's doing in his work is making these incredibly important, but really easy to miss distinctions between things. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, there were so many dichotomies that he mentioned in his book, for instance, that I just thought were really profound and, and really important. And in the same way, this, this is such a simple thing to, to sort of conceive that there's, the mindset would make all the difference, right? Like mm-hmm. one is escape and one is um, knowing yourself well enough to know that this is going to help you yeah. feel better and then, and then be better. Mm-hmm. But it's really easy to miss. Fair. We, we, because I feel like just me personally, my, my own experience, it's definitely possible that I would think that I'm using play to power up but instead I'm actually escaping and I'm, I'm just mm-hmm. fooling myself into thinking that I'm doing it to, to feel better so that I can do whatever else I have to do. But in the escape, there's always the knowledge that r- real life is going to come back and smack you in the face at some point. You mm-hmm. can't escape it forever, but if you're doing it to help you, you know, recharge, refresh, and then come back, yeah. You're, it's yourself. yeah. You're taking that power back and, and saying like, I'm going to do this. And I'm going to do it well. This is going to help me get there. Yes. How do you have any like advice on, on how to be, I guess, aware enough of yourself to know when you need to do something like that? Is it just, do you feel like it's just, it's, it's keeping an eye and, and your mind sort of Mm -hmm. at all times on how, how you're just how you're feeling or. Yeah. So this is one easy way to do it it's it's just being intentional so i like to ask people you know what's a game that you like to play and what benefit do you feel like that game brings you or how is that what are you learning from that game you know that's one way just to bring your mind to that of like this is giving me benefits this is giving me benefits this is giving me benefits so that's the first thing and then two because we can easily because when you're playing, especially if you're playing on a digital game, it's designed to release dopamine and all those things and be just as addicted to slot machines and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of stuff like that. So you have to, like, one, know that. And then, two, you need to put uh, – that's why I said you need to schedule play. So you have to just be intelligent to know, hey, you know what? I am ready to reap the benefits of this. Um, I'm going to play for two minutes or five minutes or ten minutes. Like – Give yourself a time limit and hold yourself to that. And then when you're done, jump back into it. Like, all right, you know, and then, and then you will be more, more likely to, um, to reap the benefits. Has anybody reached out after like you've done an event and like followed up with you and told you like how, how things are going like post event and post learning some of these things like are, what are people saying like after, after like encountering some of this yeah i've this is my favorite part is hearing how people's lives have changed because of just 
allowing themselves to play. Um, I've had, so, so after my TEDx talk, so it was at TEDx UC, UCSD uh, here in San Diego. Okay. That was the perfect venue for that because that school is a very prestigious school in San Diego. Very intelligent people that go on to do amazing things, but they stress themselves out so much. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like they forget, they, they lose part of their childhood the moment they step into you know, UCSD. Yeah. And I had a gal afterwards, she came up to me and she said, thank you so much because she forgot how to play, you know, because it's such a big school. And she said, improv was my thing. I did improv and it helped me overcome my social awkwardness, my shyness. And then I forgot about it the moment I stepped into college because I was focusing so much on my studies, but I am so stressed out right now. You know what? I'm going to sign up for an improv class. Hmm. And so that was such amazing, you know, thing. And then I've had companies come up and say, you know what, Gary, since working with you, we now have like, we have this in play. It was, um, Oh, Kaiser. Uh, it's a, it's, uh, uh, health insurance provider. Um, I'm not sure if it's worldwide, but we have it here uh, on the West Coast. And they have a thing where anyone is empowered to call uh, mandatory recess, where if it feels like there is, you know, stress and, and people are overworking themselves, because again, you know, we can get into that trap of like, got to get this done, got to get this done, and we forget about it. Someone can ring the bell and for five minutes everyone you know must do some some sort of physical activity together as a group and that is actually my last tip on bringing um that playfulness back into your life is get an ally or i call it a playmate but you know someone that is going to help you stay accountable for this that someone that you trust that can give you play missions where they know your triggers they know when you're going through stuff and they can say, hey, Josh, you know, I know you're, you're prepping for this. Um, I'm going to send you a text message. And when you get that, you need to take a pause and send me three things that you're grateful for right now. Huh. Or take a pause and, you know, whatever. Like you, you set, up, set up this. And I have lots of playmates, too, that, you know, can keep an eye on certain things. And in my talk, I talked about a friend of mine. His name is Kai. And it was after, you know, the thing with uh, losing my business partner and I was like figuring out what's going on. And we would do a thing called Play It For It Fridays. And we would go and do something that was playful, that was spreading joy to other people. I love that. So there's there's even there's ex, there's like bonus good that's coming out of this at that point. That's great. Mm-hmm. I love the idea of a playmate. I'm going to. I'm going to start practicing that. There's a lot actually from this conversation that I'm going to start practicing. So like this has been a, this has all been great just selfishly for me, but um, I love the idea of, of, of establishing a playmate. That's, and I, I love all the, like all of the terms and the, like the phrasing is, is great. It's all so delightful. Um, I do. I, I want to talk at least a little bit about your TEDx talk um, because that's awesome. And like, that's really incredible. It's a great opportunity. Uh, and I'm so happy for you. Congratulations on getting to do that. Um, I'm, I'm curious, like how that came about. Like, what is, what is that all about? Um, I, I'm pretty sure all of our listeners know what TEDx is, um, yes. or Ted talks, but, um, yeah, I just, I want to know all about that experience. Yeah. So again, 
divine destiny. I don't know what it is. I, I, I guess I put that in motion five years ago because I, it was on the eve of, of doing the talk. I was going through my Evernote and I found something that was like my bucket list. And I had all these things on my bucket list. And one of them was to do an inspirational TEDx talk. And so how I got to do it, normally with the TEDx talk, you have to audition, you have to submit a pitch. They happened to see a talk that I did at Creative Mornings, which is a, it's a creative, uh, was a creative uh, morning lecture uh, that is in cities all around the world. And I did it April of 20, 2018, April 2018, and it was on the topic of game. You know, I, the, my thing was how games can save the world. Hmm. And I talked about some of the stuff I talked about here and dropped a little bit more into the science about, uh, about how it connects us and, and things like that. They happened, the organizers happened to see that. They reached out to me. They sent me a message through my website. I thought it was spam. I had never heard of TEDxUCSD prior to uh, earlier this year. Wow. And it was almost a deadline of like, hey, you know, we, we think you would be interesting, you know, blah, 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 you know, love to, you know, get in touch. I was like, I should at least, you know, reach out to them and, and, you know, and see what's up. And they were like completely open all the while. I'm like, all right, so great. So I have an invitation to do a TED Talk. So I still didn't know that it was pretty much I was a guaranteed in because they were inviting me to speak. So I like submitted my proposal. I'm like, all right, well, here's my, what I'm going to talk about. You know, here's the that one. I'm like, all right, cool. I'm like, all right, cool. So when am I going to get this official, hey, you're in? <laughs> and then I get this message. We have these two camps. We have the, the writing camp and the speaker camp. And I'm like, oh, great. Yeah, that, that means, you know, you're going to go through that. And then they're going to pick some people. It's like American Idol style or something. Although I'm still like in denial. Like, no, you're going to do this, this, you know, this talk. And, you know, so I'm prepping for it. Like, I'm going through the whole motions. I'm like... I'm doing all this stuff, you know, prepping for the talk. I, I sought out mentors of, you know, how do you prepare a TEDx talk? How do you do it? And although, yes, I was in. Like, they, they had every intention on having me be in. And so it's been, like, an amazing journey to tell this story about, you know, me just thinking, like, I had everything figured out, but yet I was uh, I was burnt out and, and I was just not feeling joy and me discovering improv and and I talked about the you know the tips that we just talked about here about how to rediscover play and that's it oh hopefully that answered your question and and it's uncommon like it's an uncommon thing yeah that's even more incredible I love that so much I um I knew a little bit about the process for doing like a, a TED talk um I know less about TEDx but um that's incredible that's so cool um, they just came across one of your talks and we're like, yep, well, yeah, we'll bring him in. That's, that's good. Uh, so other people are seeing value in this as well, which is such good news. That's so refreshing. And obviously you're, you're connecting with companies that, that see value in this and you're connecting with organizations that see value in this. Have you been surprised at the reception this has gotten and like how, how much, this is, is sort of catching on? Yes, it, it's been such a surprise because like what you said about me earlier, it's like people know that they need something. Yeah. And it, it's like what we said earlier, like once they start seeing someone like, oh, this is what, oh, this is what I'm feeling too. Okay, there's a name for this. Mm-hmm. Play deprivation is a thing. In the book, 
play by Dr. Stuart Brown, he talks about play deprivation and us adults are suffering from play deprivation. And it manifests in depression and uh, burnout and all these other things. I'm no psychologist or doctor. I'm not saying, you know, there are some people that have clinical issues, but I'm saying there are some people that it is brought on through lack of play and it shows up in anxiety and stress and all these other things. Sure. And play is something that could help. Sure. And it's no substitute for, I should say this with a disclaimer, it's no substitute for, you know, like appropriate medicine and stuff like that. Sure. Yes, However, exactly. it's something that we all need. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, um, it seems to me hearing, like hearing you talk about this in the science behind it and describe this, it seems to me that it's, it's sort of no different than like if, if you eat really, really bad food, you're, you're probably going to end up with some kind of a, uh, you know, health issue, whether it's an ulcer or whatever. Um, or if you have too much anxiety, you might get an ulcer or you might have, uh, other stress related, um, injuries or, or symptoms like it's it's and that's you know stress is um, uh that's it shows up physically but it starts mentally right psychologically so it would follow then that if this truly is a necessity and if we are suffering from play deprivation then it would show up in in other ways and there would be symptoms and it, so it all makes sense i mean when we talk about it like it makes sense um but for some reason it's it's it seems like we we just sort of miss it, um, yes. and and that's why I'm so happy that you're calling this out to people. Um, and you're do you <laughs> so you've you've you sort of like mentioned um, like you know the universe or like divine intervention or or whatever. Um, and I'm I'm always curious are you are you uh, a believer do you do you believe that like God is sort of like guiding things or do you believe in yeah. sort of a system where like you 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 put out good vibes and you get good vibes back or I'm just I'm always curious about like sort of people's guiding philosophies and principles. Yes, I I believe that God is <laughs> there's a path for me uh, as much as I I'm like what is it? <laughs> um, I, you know, sometimes I'm like, uh, is this right? Is this right? You know, yeah. I, I don't know. Um, and it's, it's challenging. It, you know, it's, it's very challenging. And I, I have, I read this, uh, it was in this book about manifesting greatness. It was from the nineties, believe it or not. And like, it was all about expectations and reality. And if you have too high expectations and the reality hits, you're unhappy. And so it's not about like, having no expectations, you need to set your sights for the stars and, and have these big things that you want to achieve, but then you need to just sit out into the world and start achieving those things. And in huh. that moment, you need to get rid of all expectations and, and see what surprises, what comes up. That's great. Um, so I'm, that's, I'm glad I asked that's that what question. I believe. I love that. I love that. Um, all right, so I just have one more question for you before we get out of yes. here, Gary, and it's the question that I ask everyone, um, and I'm so excited to hear what you think about this. So the podcast is called Good Humans, and what I ask everybody yes. is, what does it actually mean to be a good human? How do you go about that from your perspective and experience? What does that even look like? How do we be good humans in the world? Mm -hmm. My response to that is... just realize that we're all going through something. 
we all have our own baggage. We all have our own way, you know, of, of dealing with stuff. Don't make assumptions. Just assume that someone's going through stuff. And I like to say, if you have this belief that everyone is doing the best that they can, even when it's maybe clear that they're not, <laughs> you will be a good human <laughs> because you will have empathy. You will, uh, you will appro- approach them with kindness. Uh, assume that everyone's doing the best that they can. I, I love that so much because maybe, I mean, yes, sometimes it seems very apparent that people are not yes. actually, but may, I, it's very possible that in that moment they truly are. There's just too much. Um, yes. And so they are doing the best that they can. I would think, um, I, I've said this before, but I, w- I would think that we, you know, if, if we were going through something and we were acting not quite exactly how we should or other people would expect us to, we would expect and hope for a little bit of latitude and grace and space right so why wouldn't we just give that to other people you know exactly um beautiful i love it gary this uh for our listeners um, i've just had a smile on my face this whole conversation and i've just been delighted about all of this this is amazing um if, if people want to know more about what you're doing, um, if they maybe want to reach out about having you do an event, um, or if they just want to talk and, and ask more questions, where can people find you? Like where, where should people go to, to find out more? Yeah. Uh, you can find me on the interwebs, uh, under Gary Ware, G A R Y W A R E. I'm pretty much on any platform. Uh, my website is breakthroughplay.com. Um, I have a newsletter I write every now and then, but I do have some tips on how you can incorporate improv and play into your life. And I'm working, uh, this is like one of the first public places that I'm talking about this. So uh, everyone can be very special is I'm working on a project um, about how we can bring back play in the workplace. Um, It's a rebellion of sorts. Uh, So if you, if you are interested in something like that, you definitely want to get on my uh, get on my website so you can keep up. Um, I'll also uh, link to your TEDx talk um, uh, in the show notes so that people can check that out too, uh, because I think that's also very exciting, um, and I think people are going to love what you're doing. Um, thank you so much for being on, and people of Earth, thank you for listening. Uh, and until next week, be good to each other. <laughs>